My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we, we are, are the Exorcisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to episode 12. In this episode, we will be talking about my favorite M. Night Shyamalan masterpiece, <laughs> The Last Airbender. <laughs> Uh, signs. Absolutely, We're yes. going to be that's, talking about signs. That's a horror movie. I mean, fair. <laughs> oh, man. I remember going to see that in theaters and just at first I was like, okay. But then I was like, no. For someone who loves Avatar The Last Airbender, yeah, the cartoon. The series, yeah. Oh, my God. It was so sad. Such a yeah. disappointment because I wanted to see it, too. Yeah. Man, I'm not Shyamalan has had some, some duds. Yeah, he's but... had some really good ones or really bad ones. He's yeah. like not really in between. No, I feel. he's not. But I'm a Shyamalan convert. I don't know about you. I like, like Shyamalan. I, deal with I like. Uh, I love Signs. This is yeah. one of my favorite movies of any genre. Yeah, I love it. I actually, before I watched it for the podcast, I watched it like a, just a month before, yeah. just because it was on TV, and I was like, uh, yes. I'm gonna get some flack for this, but I love the happening. I love how <laughs> funny, stupid it is. You I love, love the Mark happening. Wahlberg though too. I mean, or did that not really have much of an effect? No, on No, I just oh, okay. liked. I just I liked the premise. I'm like. Oh, what if plants could kill us? That's great. But then it went stupid funny. But it was Honestly, so good. they should kill us. Right? Let's be real. <laughs> but I don't blame them. And it, it, you know, it's it wasn't a bad premise. No. At all. It was just the direction it took was really weird. Yeah. I still like it. I'll watch Whatever. it. I mean, I don't, I, I it's something that I'll like, keep, you know, yeah. we, could, we could talk about it and I'll put it in my collection. Because like I said, interesting premise and it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. I really don't like Zoe Deschanel though. Oh, I hate her. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was a real strong opinion, but no, I don't like her. You're not allowed to have opinions on your own podcast, <laughs> Kristen. <laughs> Anyways, Science came out in 2002 and shook me as a fourth grader. Let me just tell you, because this, I told this story, I think in episode one, but I watched it with my dad, which was the story of my life. And I had to sleep on my brother's bunk bed because my brother was at like a sleepover or something. He was a couple of years younger than me. So I'm pretty sure he was just at like a birthday party mm-hmm. and he had a bunk bed and I made my dad sleep on the bottom and I slept on the top. <laughs> so that way, if any aliens came in, first of all, they would get him first. Oh, and smart, I also smart. grabbed a bunch of full water bottles from the <laughs> fridge and I just lined my sides with them so that either side I could just like grab a water bottle and open it and throw it real quick. Smart. So... First, yeah. The first time I watched Signs, I actually didn't even finish it. I literally told my friends, I was like, I'm not watching this if it has animal, you know, oh, right torture, off animal death, yeah. any of that. And they're like, it's fast. It's real quick. And then we got to that part and I looked at them and I was like, you're a fucking liar. <laughs> and I'm turning it off. And it took me years to go back and rewatch yeah, it. Yeah, that's rough. I get why it's in there because it's unnecessary, like, plot point yeah. for the script. I still love this movie, but it really brought my emotions like way down at the end i was like it really messed you up fuck this shit i'm done when we get there it's oh we'll, we'll get there we'll get there <clears throat> anyways one of my favorite things about this movie is the score the music it right in the beginning you, it's got intense hard-hitting like dissonant music and the composer of this music took a lot of influence from some classics but the biggest two being the twilight zone and psycho and knowing that if you go and hear it it's very you can Mm -hmm. tell that that's what that comes from and it immediately the first shot lingers on this full family photo and it just kind of stays there Mm -hmm. the first shot in the movie so you kind of are like okay there's this whole family you know Mm -hmm. mom dad two kids and then you hear 
a child screaming, mm-hmm. which is Bo, which is the little girl. There mm-hmm. is a, a boy and a younger girl. And their dad wakes up and that his, the dad's name is Graham, Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously you wake up to your kid screaming. You go running. Right. And also, Joaquin Phoenix is in this, and his character's name is Meryl. And Meryl is Graham's younger brother. Mm-hmm. And he kind of lives above... The garage. The Yeah. He's got a little loft area mm-hmm. there, so he's not in the house with them. But the dogs are losing their shit and barking, and the, both the kids are up, and they are in a farm in Pennsylvania. And, of course, the uncle and dad are like what the fuck is going on so Mm -hmm. they run out there and the dogs are circling where there it's a crop circle Mm -hmm. and the kids are out there and they're like the dogs woke us up and morgan is the older sibling the boy says i think god did it and then it just cuts to black and it says bucks county pennsylvania so you're off to some crop circle action right off the bat which are real yeah they Usually with crop circle stories, it's wheat. But M. Night Shyamalan thought that wheat was too short and he wanted corn is a little bit taller and kind of creepier. When yeah. Get stuck in it. <laughs> right. And so they actually made these crop circles. And even like it says in the movie, it's none of them are broken. They're just like perfectly laid down. So yeah. I'm sure that took some. Because Shyamalan hated CGI, which yeah. he should have stuck with for Last Airbender. <laughs> he should have stuck with that theory. Mm. <laughs> yeah but graham calls the sheriff and he thinks it's lionel and the wolfington brothers which is like this i guess they're like the thugs mm-hmm. of this small little farming town and they the brothers though have an alibi he finds out when he calls the police station this movie moves so fast like you immediately start off with action it's not like one of the there's a lot of like build-up time mm-hmm. to the actual climax but none of it is just like dull normal everyday activity really it's all very pertinent to what is happening to this poor family and the world you know so it gets kicked off really quickly and the dog one of the they have two german shepherds and one of them's laying in the kitchen and it just pees all over itself and Mm -hmm. its name is houdini and morgan is like houdini peed i think he's sick and so they take houdini outside and graham says he's gonna call the doctor and morgan's like that's he's not a vet that he that's a people doctor that was interesting to me because mm-hmm. i have watched this movie a few times yeah. now and i had never caught that okay i assumed it's a small town whatever you have a doctor that just does everything yeah. i didn't realize that he didn't want to call the veterinarian the vet. i did not yeah. realize that until it went back to the vet's house and i saw it on the mailbox and i really put it together yeah. again i was like oh fuck that's he why he called the regular doctor like, and that's not gonna call the why vet. the kids were confused yep. got it yep. okay a police officer named Caroline shows up and clearly she has a relationship with Graham because mm-hmm. they're talking kind of like friends, buddies. But again, you're like, hey, it's a small, it's small town. town. Everyone yeah. knows each other. Right. And it, the movie has done so much that so you don't really think about the fact that you saw a picture of a full family, mm-hmm. but it hasn't shown a mother right. at this point, you know. And while they're looking at the crops, the cop and Graham, Bo and Morgan are outside and they're kind of grilling. They're getting up for like lunch or some or lunch or dinner that day. And Morgan's like flipping the chicken. Mm-hmm. Dad's going to burn him again because mm-hmm. he's out with the cop trying mm-hmm. to, you know, figure out what's going on with his crops. And Bo is 
drinking water and she says it's contaminated and she won't drink it it's and water. he's like all water's contaminated yeah, yeah especially he, yeah and that's what morgan says he's like it's tap water it's all it all tastes like shit just yeah, exactly. it's fine it's fine she's like no i'm not gonna drink it and so he pours it into the dog's water bowl who's just laying there on the ground Bo pushes the water bowl towards houdini and houdini just immediately starts snapping at her and growling at her and losing it which all I would think right there off the bat as a pet parent is that he's real sick. Real, he like, wants to be left alone to, yeah. to die, essentially. Yeah. And then Graham, it cuts back to Graham and Caroline talking about how the corn is perfectly bent, like we just said, and not broken. And she mentions while they're having this conversation that some of the animals in the county have been acting really strange and violent and on alert. and Like they act when a predator is around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At this point, you've got your dog's clearly acting weird and then she's saying that the animals are all around the county are on mm-hmm. alert and violent and peeing on themselves i would be like holy shit something bad is going down oh yeah listen to your pets even if it's like bad weather's coming like that's like be a big storm, storm. Yeah. yeah they hear a scream and of course they go running and they stumble upon the scene of morgan had to take the what he was using to flip the meat barbecue fork yeah and stab houdini that's when i cut the movie off right yeah. there <laughs> he said he was trying to kill Bo, and he fell on me and this is the first time you see morgan take a puff of his inhaler mm-hmm. and so you're like oh okay yeah he's obviously very upset it's not like this kid who is my favorite character in the movie it's not like morgan is a violent kid or just killed the dog out of like it clearly obviously attacked and it was leading mm-hmm. up to that but he he's very shaken up he and loved you can this see dog that it's gonna sit with him for the rest of his life yeah just how he reacts like, exactly he's a strong fucking kid this is why he's my favorite character he's amazing and because of the behavior that houdini exhibited obviously these are family dogs and this is abnormal but they take the precaution as i probably would too especially because the cop just told me all the animals are acting mm-hmm. weird they take their other dog isabel outside and they basically tie her up to the shed she's got a dog house and you know it's not like yeah. she's exposed to the elements but it sucks because they were in the house in the beginning of this movie so obviously they're, they're close family mm-hmm. pets yeah so they tie isabel up so that she can't what hurt the kids yeah and then like it's evening and graham and Bo are he's kind of putting her to bed and they're having a really sad talk and this is when you really get that the mom is dead because Bo is like, do you ever talk to mommy? And Graham says, yes. And she says, does she ever answer? And he tells her no. So mm-hmm. you can kind of tell he's a hard ass, mm-hmm. like just not very emotional. But this is really where you get where like he and the cop has called him father mm-hmm. and he's asked her to stop calling him father. So you can tell he was some sort of priest or reverend, some sort of man of God. And now he's like no mom never answers me i don't really pray but i do talk to her but it doesn't do anything so you see he's very like numb emotionally obviously you know like something bad happened yeah something really bad like his obviously we know his wife died yeah we just don't know the details but you can tell it's fucked him up big time Mm -hmm. as they're having this talk graham sees because they are upstairs and graham sees this figure standing outside the window and it kind of looks masculine but because you know what you're looking at as a viewer Mm -hmm. you're like fucking alien there's an alien right there (laughs) you know and he wakes up Meryl and he's like Lionel and the Wolfington brothers are back Mm -hmm. and so Meryl's like okay we're gonna just go out there we're gonna run we're gonna make a lot of noise and we're gonna cuss we're gonna (laughs) beat their asses yeah Graham's like 
that doesn't sound natural when I cuss. <laughs> <laughs> and Meryl's like, just make a lot of noise. And so they run around the house and Meryl's like, I'm going to beat your ass, bitch. And <laughs> I don't remember what he says, but um, he, Graham was like, I am mad with anger or something <laughs> because he can't cuss. And it's so funny. And uh, But they're just running around and they just end up running into each other. And they're like, what the fuck? Like, where did they go? And something jumps on their roof like mm-hmm. and they're just really like, quick looking like what the fuck because like meryl says it's like a 10 foot roof yeah. it's not like you can just like hop up there and something just just did hopped up <laughs> there and then jumped down behind them and ran so fast that they saw the corn moving but didn't see and obviously it ran right behind him because you can see the swing set moving so they call the cop back over they call caroline back over the next day and you know we're telling her what happens and morgan is playing with her walkie-talkie and she's like, hey, you can use a baby monitor. It'll mm-hmm. only work one way, but, you know, you can sometimes hear things on it. So he goes and gets one of Bo's old baby monitors, which is kind of a pivotal point mm-hmm. in this storyline. And then also in the scene, Graham confronts Bo about leaving water around the house. And she says... Freaking everywhere. Like, how many glasses do they dude, have? Dude, <laughs> what's wrong with this one? There's dust in it. What's wrong with this one? A Morgan, hair. A hair, yeah. <laughs> Morgan drank some and his amoebas I are in it. I love amoebas. It's like the best. Yeah, but there is... You see these water glasses and they make a point to talk about the water multiple times. Just thrown all over the house. They're on top of the TV. They're on nightstands. They're mm-hmm. on end tables. They're on yeah, kitchen he counters. he tries to grab like another set of three somewhere and sees that there's another set of three over there and he's like, I give up. And every time he tries to get them, he gets distracted and he puts them right back where they were, mm-hmm. which is like, hmm, okay. <laughs> and it's so funny because Caroline is asking them, well, describe the figure. And they're like, it was very dark, <laughs> <laughs> tall, definitely a man. And she's like, well, it could have been a woman. And they get into this whole man versus woman thing. Small town politics of this freaking scene. Yeah. Because she's like trying to lead them to say it's a woman because there's this. Out of towner. Out of town. It's got to be the out of towner. We're we're the small town. It's definitely her. She scared a couple of the townsfolk is what she (laughs) says. (laughs) Jesus. And Meryl's like, well, assuming it's not a female Olympian. No. Yeah. Because they could outrun me. And it just wasn't a woman. Like, and. I was thinking, like, all you have to say is you saw the silhouette. Like, it wasn't, like, curvy, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it yeah. It was just basically a straight, you know, figure. Males and females have physical differences. Yeah. Like, whether they're – you've got a male and a female that are very slender next to each other or the opposite. They're still different, mm-hmm. like, even if they're the same height. So, it's like, you saw the silhouette, you could have just said that. Also, the music is – still it's the music in this is pretty much constantly spooky and suspenseful Mm -hmm. like there's there's not really a moment in this movie where you get much tension release at all it just keeps it like high tension almost the entire movie and even mel gibson said while he was reading the script he read it like a book he just couldn't put it down because it is so action-packed yeah and while they're all sitting in the kitchen, Bo comes in and she says, I can't find the remote. And he's like, well, just turn the channel on the TV. And she says, I tried, but the same show is on every channel. So, you know, if the same thing is on every single channel, it's because there's some sort of emergency some broadcast. big shit's going down. Yeah. I think the only time I remember seeing that in my life was September 11th. 9-11. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they go to watch the TV and there are reports of crop circles all over the world. And... 
they immediately start talking about extraterrestrials. It's not like one of those things where all the people are like, oh, it's some sort of hoax all around the world. Like, Mm -hmm. because, yes, the Internet is a thing. Mm-hmm. And I could even see this happening nowadays where you've got all these social media networks and all these kind of black holes in the Internet where you could organize a band all around the world to do these things. But that's not really an option here. So Isn't there a thing like anonymous or something? Yeah. Taking people down? Yeah. But that... And or a g- bunch of people team up together? Exactly. I could see that happening now. But like in 2002, mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine... And that's what they even say, like, yeah, maybe it's a bunch of what Meryl calls nerds just, you know, pranking the the entire world. But that would be really difficult to orchestrate at Mm -hmm. this time in, like, internet history. There's some people that say that, you know, it's a hoax and it's just copycats picking up, but Mm -hmm. mostly people are just like, it's aliens. Yeah, because they even mentioned there were, like, crop circles that popped up in the 70s that never really, Mm -hmm. you know, nothing panned out from them and somebody's just people are just doing the same thing and they're all just getting wind of it and they're doing it in their towns mm-hmm. and and at this point they're kind of getting spooked morgan's like oh aliens got mm-hmm. it and he's immediately all in for this theory but of course graham and Meryl are the adults they're like eh, it's just people being stupid yeah. or whatever they're not buying into this and morgan really wants to watch this report and he wants to listen to the radio because he's just latched onto this theory and they don't really let him so mm-hmm. Caroline tells them, you know, you should get the kid's mind off of this. They don't really need any more crazy in their life. It's only been, you find out, like six months since their mom died. Mm-hmm. Caroline's like, take him into town, do normal things, you mm-hmm. know, go get lunch or dinner or whatever. So they go into town and uh, they kind of split up. Morgan and Bo go to a bookstore. Graham goes to the pharmacy to get Morgan's asthma medication. And Meryl goes to, uh, I think it's an army recruiting office. To the creepiest recruiter. Morgan goes with Bo to this bookstore. And the owners of the bookstore are watching the TV reports. And the owner's like, it's just to sell sodas. And you just hear him yell, that is a 12th soda commercial. (laughs) I was like, that's such a smart thing to pick up on. but It is smart, but you're literally the reason they do that, dude. Because of people like you who just stare at the TV. Yeah, yeah. And Morgan's like, do you have anything on extraterrestrials? And the lady's like, you know, I think we got one on accident to keep for the city goers that come in. And so he buys it because his dad gave him some money to go buy a book. And Bo asks for a cup of water. And she's like, it's contaminated. There's something wrong with our water. Yeah. She's like, oh, there's something wrong with our water. And Morgan's like, no, she just has this thing with water. And she has her entire life. Yeah. Is what he says right there. Her entire life. She just won't drink water. But people are getting, like, freaked out. Like, all over the world, but also in town. Mm-hmm. Like, big time freaked out. Meryl's in this enlistment office for mm-hmm. the army. This army recruiting center. And the officer tells him he thinks that they've sent a group to do recon, basically, in He's scope. smart. Yeah. I love. You got... The military has got to be out there, of all the countries, thinking that same thing. They've got to be knowing this Mm -hmm. and coming up with plans. Because you know they have more intelligence than the rest of us do. You know, whatever we're getting on TV is a watered-down version of the truth constantly. Whether the reporters know it or not. And even if this little recruiter that we think is, like, all by himself in this little place is picking up on that shit, there are bigger people around Mm -hmm. the world that are picking up on that and preparing for it. I mean, think about... uh, Homeland Security, like, yeah. all, you know, like, they all They're are like, also going, fuck. hey, that's what we do also with yeah. our military. That's what yeah. they're fucking doing. They send in a few mm-hmm. to check it out to create a plan mm-hmm. to attack, yep. essentially. And this is also where you learn about Merrill's minor league baseball fame because he's like, I know you. Mm-hmm. And something about getting a home run record. And he's like, 
Yep, I had a home run record. Da, 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 da. He has seven. Yeah. He also has the biggest strikeout record. And he should be getting his toes licked by beautiful, beautiful women. Beautiful women. Look <laughs> <laughs> at that term. That is disgusting. That Who is does that? Not what I would have beautiful women doing exactly. to me if I was rich and famous. <laughs> <laughs> Can lick this, other things. <laughs> what is with this recruiter? Like, that's what he would do if he was famous. He's like, yeah, that, see those toes right there? Get out of them. I'm going to lick them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, he is super creepy, though, because you don't know. They obviously don't have a previous repertoire, like, at all, because mm-hmm. he's like, oh, aren't you that dude? Yeah. And so you also find out that he has the league's strikeout record because mm-hmm. Lionel, this Lionel you've been hearing about that's been mischievous, is signing up. I didn't even up. catch that. Yeah. I didn't even catch that. He's, that's one of the Littlefington brothers. Yeah. He's signing up, basically, yeah, or signing some dick. papers. Yeah. He's like, he also has the minor league mm-hmm. strikeout record, which is why he never went anywhere. And Meryl's like, it just felt wrong not to swing. And mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much the end of that. And then poor Graham. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to get Morgan's asthma medication. And the pharmacist is like a teenager. I doubt even early 20s. Mm-hmm. I think she's like 18, 19 yeah. maybe. And because he used to be a priest. And again, this is a really small town. So he used to be everyone's reverend, mm-hmm. you know. She's, like, getting scared about the end of the world because it's all over the radio. It's mm-hmm. all over the TV. And she's like, I need to confess my sins. And you just keep seeing it cut back to her just talking about all the shit she's done and him just, like... And at one point, some <laughs> dude behind Graham just, like, looks behind... like, <laughs> And he's like, none of y'all are ever allowed to hang out I with her. I love that. Can you imagine what she said? Because all we really hear is how many times she cusses. Curses, <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine what she said for him to go, uh-uh, ain't never. You're never allowed to see her. <laughs> Because they just go to get pizza. Like, he's trying yeah. to do normal stuff, but clearly, like, nobody's in, like, a normal mm-hmm. state of mind. And when they get home, Morgan's baby monitor picks something well, up. Well, they actually see the vet, M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know something bad happened because they go, is that him? Mm-hmm. So, something's up with this vet. And when he sees them, he immediately gets in the car. And he doesn't just, like, drive off. He, like, peels yeah. off. He's, like, out. Uh, but when they get home, Morgan's baby monitor picks up some sounds and he turns it up and he thinks it's a code or a language that they can't understand. And, you know, they're like, no, no, you know, stop being ridiculous. It's just picking up one of the other baby monitors around or feedback or something. And when they get out of the car, they hear more distinct voices. And so Graham and Meryl are even visibly starting to be like That would terrify out. me. Mm-hmm. Hearing that? As because an adult who has to protect your children? You can only rationalize for so long. Because of course you don't want your children to be scared. Yeah. But at what point are you like, Okay, Shit. this is real. Yeah. yeah. And it's at this point, I think, when they start to kind of take a turn. Yeah. Graham, Meryl definitely does. Yeah, def- because when they all like link together and hold mm-hmm. hands like they're it's basically acting as base an antenna mm-hmm. and morgan stands up on the top of the car and holds it up you can hear all this clicking and it mm-hmm. really sounds like a conversation yeah between two because morgan even says there's two of them yeah which gets my head spinning like once again think of all the military that's out there that is hearing this because they have better satellites of they're course. hearing these conversations yeah. and all the linguistics out there that are trying to figure out what it's it, what they're saying but it's, and it's linguistics i can only interpret and translate languages that are human you know yeah imagine how frustrating it would be to be in a situation like that and know that there's somebody talking about you yeah i mean even just think about when you are somewhere and you've got people that speak a foreign language and i know this has happened to almost everybody you feel like they're talking about you right imagine nobody knowing what they're saying Mm -hmm. and you know they're probably also talking about 
killing you or attacking you or you know and so of course the family is pretty shaken up and it just cuts to night and again isabel the dog that's outside is losing it again like she is going crazy at barking Mm -hmm. at something so graham gets a flashlight and goes into the crops by himself yeah he's not like hey meryl can we like go do this and i don't know i think graham is trying to maintain that he's a man of reason and logic and he doesn't believe in this which is why i think he probably didn't get anybody to go with him because the fact that he'd be investigating would be kind of like yeah which is interesting coming from originally a man of faith like whether you want to give that up or not i feel like that faith is still going to be there and you're not completely rational and everything right but he's scared. Yeah. Like, and he hears that same clicking that he heard from the baby monitor, like right behind him. And he is scared, but he yells, you're wasting time. I'm not going to report this. You're not going to get famous. And then he hears more clicking and he kind of starts, he drops the flashlight and it goes out and he's freaking out because now he's, he's still hearing noises. Something is still there mm-hmm. in the crops with him. And he picks it up, and as soon as he gets the flashlight coming on, a leg just walks right into the crops again. And he fucking books it out. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He bails. And when he walks into the house, it made me think of Jaws. Like, when he sees the shark for the first time, he just backs slowly into the cab. It's like him in signs, just walking slowly into the house. And he doesn't say shit. He just fucking stands there. This is the turning point for Graham. Yeah. Because he comes in and Bo and Morgan are washing dishes and splashing each other. And Meryl's reading and he comes and sits at the kitchen table and he just sits in silence until the family notices his demeanor. And he says, okay, we're going to turn on the TV. Yep, let's see what's going on out there. Yep. The crop scene scared the... I mean... Pretty much all the scenes that involved actual, like, alien sightings in this movie scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. But, I mean, I don't know what scares me more or scared me more. The imagery and this just the scare factor or just the in, the whole end of the world mm-hmm. notion. That's why I think Alien, like, War of the Worlds bothered me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. The Tom Cruise version bothered yeah. me because that was the first one I saw. Yeah. This well, one I mean, really stuck with me. a lot of people just hearing it on radio, so. Yeah. And... I can't imagine being in any sort of, like, apocalyptic end-of-the-world yeah. situation and just being so helpless. What kind of pain am I going to go through? What shit am I going to see before Absolutely. I die? So How lonely, too. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm real dark, but you got to assume at least half your family is going to die, if not all of them. And what if you're left alone? Yeah. Or all of your friends or your whole town. The rest of the world? Like, yeah. Yeah. Because it's safe to assume that some people will be smart and some people will be reckless. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we just think about, on a very small scale, let's talk about weather for a second. We just had the worst blizzard in Colorado that we have had in a long-ass time. Yeah. And in Manitou, there is something called the Manitou Incline. Yes. And it is basically steps that you gain, like, a mile and a half it's, in altitude. It's arduous on the best of days. Some dumbass yeah, went up the incline during a blizzard got stuck and it took like 18 rescue crews from colorado springs to get them so let's just take that you know first of all it's not like this is like maybe there's aliens this is like there's gonna be a blizzard Mm -hmm. it's gonna be bad on the radio tv i mean and he was a local yeah even the news was like what he doesn't listen to anything get on yeah. social media like nothing and he I was don't even local. watch the news i don't watch the weather oh they made anything, fun of him but i talk to people out in the world and yeah. i learn things right so let's just take that and imagine a, a huge scale let's say alien invasion and the people that one don't believe it mm-hmm. two don't take any precautions and just are like eh yeah 
maybe it's fine and i don't really know he says okay let's turn on the tv i don't really i think i would be one of those people because i know myself i get really obsessed with things which is and this is exactly why graham didn't want the tv to be turned Mm -hmm. on because he knew they would just be absolutely glued to it yeah and they wouldn't be living and I would be one of those people because I can tell you when I was in third grade and I know we've already talked about this and we're going to talk about it again, but September 11th happened. Mm-hmm. It fascinated me in like, a, I didn't understand really what was going on. I just knew a lot of people died mm-hmm. and somebody did it on purpose. Yeah. And so I, we did have the internet at that time, you know, it was just dial up internet. So it took a long time for videos to load, but I watched every single video of the twin towers that I could get my hands on. Yeah. Because I didn't understand what was happening and it just, I couldn't pull away. Same thing when big crimes happen, mm-hmm. um, you know, or I get into a killer or a spree killing or something like that. I'll just read every single literary piece I can find yeah. and watch every single documentary. And so I would not pull myself away from the TV. So that would be me. Which is what Meryl ends up doing. Yes. And so when they turn on the TV, this is when uh, there are some strange lights and they say crafts have appeared in the sky in a couple parts of the world and morgan again is so smart he's like yeah we have to record this mm-hmm. he says the history of the world and science textbooks and everything we know mm-hmm. is about to change and so he goes and grabs a vhs tape and he's like we have to document this he's like nine they watch tv until the kids literally like fall asleep in their lap they're all sitting in the living room watching the tv with all the lights out and then graham and Meryl start having this like really deep conversation and this is another point where you really get into Graham's character and his personality and who he is and why he is the way that he is which I loved personally yeah I've had some death problems really recently so Mm -hmm. things have been affecting me a lot Mm -hmm. and watching this scene I was definitely into on faith because you could relate so well Mm -hmm. Graham thinks it is the end of the world. And Meryl is just like trying to get Graham to be positive because he used to be this reverend that was like, it's yeah. okay. Everything's going to be okay. God's going to take care of us. So imagine having someone that you look to for comfort, whether it be a friend or whomever, and them just completely turning and saying, no, everything sucks. You're right. You don't have someone to help pull you out of the pit anymore. Yeah. And that's what Graham was. It's his older brother. Yeah. You know? And so Meryl's upset because Graham used to be faithful and comforting and he basically tells Meryl there's miracle people there's somebody looking out for them or they're all alone and then Meryl talks about this disgusting story but yeah it's really gross on a small scale he basically says I believe that you know miracles happen and nothing's a coincidence because I was about to make out with this girl and I realized I had gum in my mouth and I turned away to take it out and she threw up all over herself and I if I had been kissing her in that moment I would have been scarred for life and it's yeah, like fair yeah that's terrifying yeah and so he says i'm a miracle man and he says what kind of man are you and graham's like do you feel comforted and he says yeah i do and he's like then what does it matter so you know that graham has lost all faith everything that defined him as a human being yeah is gone is void which m night Shyamalan said the scariest thing about this movie was always supposed to be that this man of strong pillared faith lost it all Yeah, which that's what really stuck with me so Mm -hmm. much because I wasn't an optimist on everything. I was pretty pessimistic, but I have lost a lot of my faith lately. So that really resonated with me in this scene. Right. And that's... And I agree. It's pretty pretty scary on this side, having had that faith and now nothing. Yeah. And 
again, that's what Shyamalan, you know, the aliens and the end of the world, that's all scary. But more than that, it was about this character Mm -hmm. and the extremes on both ends that he has gone through. Graham tells Meryl his wife's last words were swing away. And he just said it was because her nerves were misfiring and just some random memory popped up. And this quote, there is no one watching out for us, Meryl. We are all on our own. And he just says that to him. And he's not he's so far gone as like a person or the person that he was that he doesn't even try to preserve the feelings of the people around him that need him to. Yeah. He's just like, nope, we're alone. Everything sucks. You're going to die. And there's nothing there. Period. That's yeah. it. And so it's a really much deeper movie than aliens into the world stuff. Apocalypse stuff. Right after this scene is when you also get the first flashback to what happened to his wife. And it doesn't last very long. You basically just see an accident scene and right. Graham coming upon it. Mm-hmm. And then it just cuts back to Meryl has moved the TV to the closet because he said the kids were getting obsessed. And this has gotten so bad that the schools have closed. Mm-hmm. Like the whole world is getting so scared that something is happening. And for the entire world to agree mm-hmm. that this is something is going to happen for the schools to shut down i mean i imagine like there are some schools that don't shut down for anything yeah and for everyone to be like go home because we're all gonna die well i remember for 9 11 we were open mm-hmm. but all of our parents had to come pick us up early so for yeah. big things i'm sure they shut down yeah our school stayed open but most of the parents came to get their kids mm-hmm. just to like my mom took us to go get snow cones at this little snow cone place mm-hmm. and tried to explain to us what had happened i was so scared i was 12 mm-hmm. when that happened so i was just old enough to understand how terrifying it was and i wasn't a, i wasn't allowed to watch the tv all day but my mom didn't take me into school because i was too scared mm-hmm. to go yeah i wanted to be with her right talking about 9 11 so much has just come up on its own but this movie actually kind of falls into that they started filming on september 12th 2001 and before they started their first scene which was a really emotional death scene about Graham's wife which we'll get into here in a minute they had a candlelight vigil for all the victims so this was right around that time yeah interestingly enough the day after what they started filming crazy to think that you had this script this screenplay that was about this and then literally you start filming the day after something basically I mean I'm again I was really young but I know the sheer panic of that happening i'm sure it may have helped a lot of their performances just channeling that that tragedy into this movie to kind of first of all get that pain out yeah into a performance but also to kind of relate some of the themes even though this is of course a movie and not nothing actually tragic happened but Mm -hmm. actors take from their real lives all the time yeah and so i'm sure a lot of these actors dedicated their performance to this horrible tragic thing that happened in our country graham is watching the tv in the closet and this is where the footage you see a bird flying Mm -hmm. and it just hits this like invisible wall and falls Mm -hmm. and they said it basically was smashed in so there's like there's this like invisible like shield or like force field that we can't see but they're right there yeah yeah and then Graham's like, they're talking about how these crop circles are maps and their navigation and they're showing them where to go. And Graham just basically closes the door on him and he still keeps talking. And he's like, they're making a map. It's navigation. That's yeah. how they're going to come find, you know. He's gone crazy. Mm-hmm. Graham goes up to find his kids upstairs and he walks in on them wearing the tinfoil hats. <laughs> so the aliens can't read their minds. <laughs> and they're reading the alien book that he got from the bookstore. Which 
Shyamalan's daughter in real life drew the pictures in this book. The illustrations, cool. which were good. Yeah. Too. They were really good. And he was pretty young mm-hmm. at this point. I wonder how old she was. And Morgan says there are two reasons why aliens would come. To expand the knowledge of the universe. So basically for exploration purposes. So or we're talking like Star Trek. Yeah. Okay. Or to harvest the planet because they're hostile and they've used up all the resources on their planet. And they're looking for one to harvest, which is terrifying. And the illustration that you were just talking about in the book looks just like their house with three dead family members on the lawn outside with a spaceship basically flying away. Graham told them, we all need to calm down and eat some fruit or something. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what I would do if I was stressed out is just go, I'm going to eat some fruit and I'm going to be fine. (laughs) Xanax. (laughs) Exactly. Graham gets a phone call and he just hears the word father and then some commotion and the phone goes dead. And he knew it was Ray, which is the veterinarian that they saw that basically ran away when he saw them. And Bo tells Morgan that she has a bad feeling and she doesn't want him to die. And he's like, I'm not going to die. But this is not the first time Bo has had some sort of feeling or dream that has apparently been accurate because it really shook Morgan. Mm -hmm. And... Also, something that has been consistent through this movie is, like, when they're walking around town and Bo and Morgan are always together. Mm-hmm. Morgan has really taken on the caretaker of his little sister. His little sister trusts him more than she trusts any other family member in that house. And it's a really sweet relationship that they have. But you can kind of tell that after their mom died, he really just, they have each other. Yeah. They feel and that's it. And he says that he would never let anything happen to her. So Graham goes to Ray's, which is just down the road, and finds him. He's like walking around his house and he looks over and he's sitting in his car and he's got a bunch of shit in his car. He's like packed and ready to go. And they have this conversation and Ray called him because he wrote down his number six months ago to call him and basically apologize to him. Yeah. And it was six months ago. And he tells him he's never fallen asleep at the wheel. And it had to have been at just that right moment because there weren't any cars on the road before or after that. But that 10, 15 second window that he fell asleep was just the right moment to kill Graham's wife. Which, by the way, Mel Gibson did not know M. Night Shyamalan was going to be this actor yeah. in this scene. He didn't know until they were literally doing this scene together. And then Shyamalan actually took a family member's death that he had just had the day before. He took it as part of this to help him through this scene. Yeah, he also took, he had a picture of the deceased family member in one pocket and then a picture from the uh, cast and crew's candlelight vigil that they did for September 11th in the other pocket when he did this scene. It's a sad scene, but at least he was able to take that. Yeah, exactly. One of the last things he says before he starts talking about the aliens is like it was meant to be. Yeah. Which seems kind of like an insensitive comment. You know, it was just meant to be that I killed your wife, but he just meant like it had to happen at that second. Yeah. You know. Which is real dark of me, but I could definitely see in an apocalyptic scenario that I would be thankful that my family members had gone before me in maybe not so torturous ways that I could assume are going to happen. Mm-hmm. I could take that as at least some sort of small comfort. Yeah. Well, at least they don't have to go through this. Yeah. Ray goes, says he's going to the lake because he thinks that they don't like water because he says, well, these seem to be popping up around these crop circle areas that aren't near like oceans and mm-hmm. things like that. So he's got his shit packed and he's like, I'm going to try it. I'm just yeah. going to go to the lake because I think it's safer there. And he also tells, he says, father, don't go into my pantry. I locked one of them in there. 
So there's a fucking alien. And then just takes off. Like, that's the last thing he says and just tears ass out of there. Yeah, I would. Yeah, right? If I if I even got it locked somewhere, I would not go back in my house. I can't believe he stayed Who in that car. Who do you call for that? Yeah. The cops aren't going to know what to do. They're just going to shoot it. Yeah. And who knows if that even works? It doesn't. I mean, obviously, the only way that they weren't taken out with guns. Yeah. You know? And so Graham goes wandering into the house and he sees somebody walking in the pantry because there's a light on in there so he can see the shadow. And he's like, I'm with the police. And he's going to take him in the paddy wagon. Yeah. He's like, paddy wagon? The fuck? <laughs> While this is happening, Meryl is at home. And this scene scared me more when I was a kid than any other scene in this movie. Oh, for sure. This is the scariest scene. Yeah. Actually, these two, the pantry and this together. Terrifying. Yeah. So, uh, Meryl is at home in the closet still, mm-hmm. in this coat closet, watching the TV. He's just drugging in there. And there's this worldwide broadcast of this birthday party, I think, in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And they are all running inside this all these kids and these parents and they've just got a little camcorder and mm-hmm. they basically catch you're seeing kind of this like alley side of their house and you just all of a sudden see an alien walk from out of the bushes across the out. hallway and looks right at him and he just launches back and he's like oh my god which and he yells he's like oh i think it's everyone's reaction yeah when you what see the it. it's like fuck <gasps> and they just like pause it and they're like from what we can tell our professionals can't tell that this has been altered in any way so like right there there's your proof like if the invisible force field wasn't enough you've got one on still right there which two things first of all really cool m night Shyamalan was actually the one who did that he took a little camcorder and he filmed this but also he actually wanted the aliens to be invisible and he wasn't getting the technique that he wanted so he decided against it i'm so glad he decided against it because that scene wouldn't have been terrifying yeah it would have no offense to Bird Box, it was good in a different way, but it wasn't scary like Signs is it seeing didn't the alien. It ignite that fear. Exactly. Yeah. And something else that's really interesting is the aliens look pretty typical of what you've seen, like, green little aliens mm-hmm. drawn as. But something, I don't know if it was the way they walked, how tall they were, something about them. Because you can see a drawing of, like, this classic green alien and mm-hmm. be like, oh, it's just, so." he did something to make it so scary and terrifying yeah you know that i'm glad they weren't invisible because yeah. it's creepy yeah exactly and it cuts back to graham and he is about to leave but then he grabs this big knife that was on the counter and kind of uses it as a mirror and he's he looking underneath the pantry and just these fingers come yes, out and, and he, he just chops them, them. <laughs> he it's chops them right off he chops two out of four of them off that you can see and then he bails. He's like, fuck <laughs> this. I'm out. So now he's seeing two aliens. Yes. Or the same one twice. It's, we, we, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Gross. We don't know. It could have been the one in his crops because they're not very far from each other. You know, especially if these aliens do in recon. I don't know why, but that creeps me out more thinking that's the same one just wandering around than it would with multiples. I don't know really? why. That's weird. Yeah. Like a stalker. Yeah. <laughs> Now Graham comes home and he finds all three of them sitting on the couch with the tinfoil hats on. <laughs> and Meryl just looks at him like one of the kids. He's like, so they can't read our minds. <laughs> which is fair because honestly, what are they going to, if the, if they can read minds, which Morgan is pretty convinced that they can. And he's been almost right about everything up to this point. You have no escape. They'll know every single entrance exit to your house because you'll be thinking about it. Like, Absolutely. I got to board it up. Or whatever you're going to do, where are they going to come in? 
and then they're gonna be like oh so there's a back door somewhere because they're trying to get to it i'm gonna go there coal shoot right foreshadowing (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't fucking seen this movie from 2002 (laughs) and graham is now just completely resolved this is happening so he comes home and morgan says that they would invade and they would use hand-to-hand combat because if they want the planet they are more intelligent than us they know that we would just destroy the planet with nuclear weapons yeah and they and obviously they don't want, want it. That yeah. Because they want, Morgan thinks they want the planet's resources. So, what good would those be if they were all nuked? Right. Which also would be kind of productive because, like, yeah, we'll kill some aliens, but we're also just going to obliterate our own civilians, anyways. Yeah. And I think, oof, I don't know. <laughs> depending on what the aliens can do to me, I don't know if I would rather be nuked mm-hmm. or killed by an alien. Right. I think in this scenario with poison gas, I think I'd rather be poisoned yeah. than nuked. So it's like, what's scarier? What the government's going to do to us to fight the aliens or the aliens themselves? Yeah, absolutely. That's why Morgan thinks they would just use hand-to-hand combat and not their really advanced weapons. Think of how many people committed suicide that one night that they attacked. Shit, there had to be a ton of people because that's what I would have done. You don't want to live through this. Yeah, I would have just taken some sleeping pills and... Gone to sleep. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what? I don't know what I would do in this situation specifically because you... It's not like Bird Box where you don't know what it is. And it's not, I don't know. Because, like, what they did, we'll get into in a minute, was probably if I was going to try to fight is exactly what I would do. Board up every single Mm -hmm. entrance and exit and just hunker yourself down. And the only theory that Graham has heard of possibly surviving is the veterinarian's theory of water. Mm -hmm. So he's like, okay, let's vote on it. Mm -hmm. I hear that they don't like water. And Morgan's like, that's bullshit. <laughs> That's stupid. I've never heard that. Yeah. I've never read that. That just sounds totally made up. Which, by the way, at this point, he's read one book. He's an expert, though. They don't <laughs> have the internet. He's not on the computer researching this shit. Right. He's read one book. Mm-hmm. Okay. By Dr. Bimboo. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, okay, let's take a vote. And eventually, after some arguing, they decide to stay in the house because Morgan says, this is where we lived with mom. And Graham's like, that doesn't have anything to do with it. But then, of course they all get guilted into staying there so they're gonna stay in the house and they're gonna wait it out which in hindsight yes go to the lake but also i was thinking it what do you do because like if you're going to the lake do you have a lake house are you just like hoping to like stay in a boat like you can't really board up a tent the vet had a tent yeah he had even if they don't like water first of all they don't know that at this point because they're new to this planet Mm -hmm. so they can still get you while you're I mean, unless you're literally just putting your tent down in the water, you know, like... That's a good point. How are, just because they don't like water doesn't mean that they won't go near it. They don't know. They're just going to kill Take you. Take a little moat around your tent. Yeah. <laughs> Come get me now. <laughs> so it, it cuts to night and they're boarding up all the windows and they're... Are, on the TV, there's new lights appearing in all countries, in all major cities of the world. There are now mm-hmm. lights. And so you know that... It's happening. It's happening, yeah. Morgan tells Meryl also, you know, like, they're all watching TV and, you know, you're not going to let anything happen to us. And Meryl's like, no, I would never let anything happen to mm-hmm. you guys. And he says, I wish you were my dad. Yeah. And so you know Morgan has a real disdain for his father. Well, I mean, he's picking up the pieces, it seems. I could understand. Yeah. And like I said, you know, him and Bo have made this relationship. He takes care of her. Where When they were running off to the bookstore in the city... Bo immediately grabbed his hand you know yeah. didn't want to go with Graham just wanted to be with Morgan Morgan takes care of his little sister he's like nine and she's like what five or mm-hmm. five or six maybe so that's really sad Morgan has no respect for his dad 
and as you know they're kind of boarding up the house and they've stopped and graham tells them they can have anything they want for dinner because meryl's like let's just have some sandwiches and keep moving and graham's like no basically what do you want for your last meal yeah this is it he's like convinced they're all gonna die which is enhanced because after they made this giant dinner they're all just sitting around silently because they know that they just made this for death yeah basically and graham gets pissed he's like okay if y'all aren't gonna eat i'm gonna have a little bit of everything and he starts taking food from the kids and being really aggressive and, and there's just like this mental breakdown Bo just starts crying and he's like stop crying and meryl's like graham and morgan's like i hate you and he's like that's fine you can hate me and then he starts crying and yeah. morgan gets up and goes to him and then they're all just hugging and sobbing and accepting death they i think almost every single one of them is resolved to yeah we're gonna try but this is it this is the last night we're going to spend together, which I wouldn't even be able to eat or think about food. I don't think I can't even eat before I get on an airplane because I have anxiety and it makes me nauseous. Yeah. Imagine being like, this is my last meal. I'm about to get killed potentially painfully by an extraterrestrial that I know nothing about. That's just invading. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to eat. I would just be like, no, we're going to keep boarding it up. Keep yeah. working, you know, and then we'll just hunker down and see what happens. They said that they were going to bring Isabel inside, and then they just fucking forget about her. Yeah. And she gets killed outside. And it's you get a to hear long the whole thing. scene. It's horrible. Yeah. It's a long scene of the dog fighting and, and, and crying. Of shit. And I hope they die. Well, I know they're going to be disappointed. <laughs> but backtracking to the dinner, he basically yells, I missed this part. Morgan says, We should say a prayer. And he says, I'm never saying a pray- prayer again. I'm never wasting one more second on prayer. So he's just basically just calling his kid, like, that's fucking stupid. Like, there's nobody here watching mm-hmm. out for us. And that's, like, right before they have a meltdown. And then Morgan also tells him that you let mom die. Mm-hmm. And they stop to eat dinner, but they hadn't finished boarding up the house yet. Because after dinner, they go to finish boarding up the house. You don't know what time this is going to happen. But mm-hmm. you know it's happening, like, tonight. I wouldn't stop to do anything until that house was boarded up. I agree. You can always take your fucking dinner somewhere else. You can cook dinner when everything's boarded up. Yeah. And you're in the house safe. So they're upstairs and they're like, well, we don't have enough for all the windows. So they're going to board up the bedroom doors. So even Mm -hmm. if they get in the window, they can't actually get through the door. And while they're doing this, Graham bends down and gets on Bo's level and tells her the story of when she was born. And, you know, this beautiful story of her smiling and babies that young can't even smile. And it's a really sweet scene. And you see some genuine positive love and emotion towards his children for the first time. And it was so powerful because Mel Gibson was actually telling the story of his children's birth. Of M. Night Shyamalan's children's birth. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was written in the script that way mm-hmm. for him to be be able to emote some real emotion behind a real story. Mm-hmm. Now, this is when you hear Isabel die. So they know they're here and they immediately hear them on the roof and running around the porch. And like you can hear them running and mm-hmm. you can see them. Their shadow is moving across the windows and you can hear the wind chimes as they run past. And they're just standing kind of in the middle of the hallway, just like listening to all of this. Like, I think I would... What do you do? Do you just stand there and wait? Do you preemptively run down into the cellar? Like, what do you do? What would you do? I don't know what I would do. I would go hide in a back corner in the cellar. Mm-hmm. And while they're listening to all this noise and getting really freaked out, Graham tells Morgan the story of his birth. And you hear them get in the house and they forgot the attic door. All this boarding up and mm-hmm. they forgot the attic. So there's a clear way for them to get into the house yeah. now. And they don't have time. See the hand underneath. Yeah. They don't have time to go and board it up. I mean, mm-hmm. they're there. So 
they've just got to run down into the basement or the cellar and you hear them beating on the door trying to get in and it kind of gets into this slow motion shot and you just see this in Graham's face and he says, I'm not ready. Because he mm-hmm. was ready to die yeah. at this point with his children. He just was totally accepted, accepting of the fact that they were not going to survive this. Yeah. But this is the moment when he just decides he's not ready to die. So they they work really hard at keeping the store closed. And fucking Meryl <laughs> is in an axe, I think, or uh, something. Yeah, it's an axe that he leans against the door. Yeah, but as he's, like, handing it to Graham, he busts out the only light bulb in the room. So now yeah. it's totally dark. Luckily, they do find some flashlights, but they at least they're able to wedge the door shut. Mm-hmm. And they hear the aliens moving around, and they're like, what are they doing? And then they're like, they're trying to distract us. Yeah. And then Graham's like, shit, there is another way in here. Right. And it's the coal chute. So Graham and Meryl scale the walls from opposite ends, and they find it's getting colder and colder as they're moving. And he says, yeah, same thing over here. So my thought is like, then go to the middle where it probably is. But by the time they get there, this is the second scene that scared the shit out of me. The biggest one. When it reaches. Yeah. You can't really see it because their skin changes colors. They're like chameleons. Mm -hmm. They just change. And if you look really hard, you can see it. But Morgan is just standing with his back against this little coal chute door. Mm -hmm. And these alien fingers just grab him around the face. And then all the lights go out and you just see. Or Mm -hmm. you hear all this. All the scurrying. Shuffle. Poor Morgan, too. Like, he's... I guess smart in the way that he's not leaving his back to nothing, but then he got up against the yeah, only way for them to get, get in. in. Yeah. And he's got asthma. Yeah. So of course, what's going to trigger an asthma attack, but thinking that you're going to die, yeah. you know, <laughs> when the flashlight comes back on, you see that they stacked like big, heavy bags of feet against it. And that Graham is sitting on the floor with Morgan in his lap, basically against his chest and trying to, basically teach him how to breathe who didn't put his asthma medication in their pocket right this is the end of the world like that's very important yeah i mean i get maybe you're gonna die but maybe don't let it happen from an asthma attack at least if you're gonna die by aliens let it be the aliens not the fact that you forgot his medication that could have just yeah opened up his lungs you know but i'm sure they didn't think they'd be down in the cellar but they forgot Mm -hmm. and so now he's got to basically get his son through this asthma attack with yeah with just Let's move our chest together. You yeah, can do this. Don't be scared. Mine. Yeah. And then you see him basically telling God, like, please don't do this to me again. And then he yeah, says, I hate praying. you. Yeah. But then he says, I hate yeah. you. And it's like, I mean, if anything's going to get you to pray again, it's probably to save your child's life. Yeah, fair. You know, he does coax him through the attack. And then they cut out the flashlights to save the battery. And at this point, you go back to a flashback. And his wife, Colleen, you see him finally reach her at this accident scene. And she's pinned between the truck that hit her and a tree. And it basically cut her clean in half. Yeah. And the only thing that's keeping her alive is the fact that they haven't moved the truck. Because when they move the truck back, her bottom half is going to separate from the top half. Yeah. Which is really brutal to think about. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. She said she didn't feel any pain, though. Because she was still conscious. She said she didn't feel much. Well, her spinal cord is probably. Yeah. At least her, at least there's that small mercy that that she gets. She's still awake. And then he walks towards her and then it cuts back. And then Meryl's listening to the radio and it basically said they came to harvest humans, not the planet. So they literally just came to take people, kill Mm -hmm. and take for whatever purpose. And they said they had poison gas and that's what they were. They can only distribute it in small amounts because my thought was if they had poison gas, why not just 
I mean, if it comes out the wrist, which you see later, you could, like, slide that under a door and gas the room. Yeah. But I guess they said it only delivered in, like, small amounts, so it would be too diffused mm-hmm. to do any damage. So I guess that makes sense. I'm glad they answered that because I was like, well, if they had poison gas, they could just, like, gas the room. Yeah. You know. And the radio says that they're leaving. For some reason, they're just leaving. And since Morgan needs medicine so bad because Graham says this can't happen again or he's dead. Mm-hmm. They cannot have another asthma attack without his medicine. So they decide to turn the baby monitor on, and it's completely clear, and they're both just like, oh, that's good enough for me. Let's yeah. go, because it's not getting any of the feedback. I mean, he has to go up, yeah. so. At least they, you know, if they turn it on and it hurts something, it's like, oh, well, we can't go, you know. Mm-hmm. And Graham lays Morgan on the sofa to go get the TV, because they're basically celebrating on TV, and he asks, do you want to see? And Morgan says yes, and so he goes to get the TV out of the closet. And when he wheels it back in, you just see the tv reflection of an alien so creepy and i loved that yeah because m night Shyamalan was so artistic with this because you don't just you do eventually get just a shot of the alien but at first you just see it's in pieces like a leg or Mm -hmm. through reflections or yep and you see him holding morgan and he's morgan's pretty much lifeless with his hand just resting above his face yeah like i'm a gas him and you see that two of the fingers are cut off so this alien is petty as fuck he (laughs) (laughs) everyone else has left all the other aliens have left at this point he's like i'm gonna get this guy cut off my fingers i'm gonna kill him or his kid if that's all i can get he literally stayed around just to because graham notices like uh shit which and creeps me out. Was he just, like, waiting for them to come back up the stairs, just being quiet? Hell yeah. And then yeah. just hanging out? He had to have been. Fucking creepy. Because if everyone else left, it's not like, they're so advanced mm-hmm. that it's not like he didn't know yeah. what was happening. Exactly. He's like, nah, I'm good. Leave me here. Or if they have smaller crafts or spaceships or whatever, maybe he has his own. Or maybe there's, like, two of them and yeah. he's just waiting, you know? He's like, I'm gonna get this. And how did he know it was Graham? Voice? Was he spot? Oh, did he know his voice that well? Did he just see his reflection? And on that note, how did he know who Graham was and where he lived? So their their surveillance must have been yeah intense because he knew exactly what house to go to and yeah. he was going to stay there. So they must have had a small group just kind of doing this whole area. Mm-hmm. That was some dedication. I'm right. gonna find him and I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> and then it flashes back to the rest of Colleen's death scene, and she says it was meant to be just like Ray said. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Graham thinks that what she's saying doesn't really make any sense because she's dying, you know. And she says, tell Morgan to play games. It's okay to be silly. Because, obviously, she knows that's her more serious child. And you see that. Morgan doesn't really – he, like, the most you see him do that's childlike is, like, splash his sister when they're doing the dishes. Mm -hmm. That's it. So, essentially, he doesn't have much of a childhood. Mm -hmm. And she knew that or knew he wouldn't. Tell Bo to listen to her brother. Mm -hmm. So, she knows that dynamic. Has already happened or is going to happen. And she says, tell Graham to see and tell Meryl to swing away. And that's what Graham said he thought her brain was just like misfiring basically because she was dying. But he realizes this is when everything kind of comes full circle Mm -hmm. because they're all just standing there staring at this alien. Yeah, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, because Meryl went and got the medication and the EpiPen shot and he just drops it on the ground Mm -hmm. because he's obviously he walks in there. There's a fucking alien in the living room. Yeah. What do you do? You're just, you just stand there in shock because the alien's kind of playing that come near me. Yeah. And I'll kill him. Cause mm-hmm. he's not like outright at going for him. Yeah. He's saying, I'm a gas your kid if you come near me. So Graham tells Merle, swing away. And the bat that he hit that home run with that broke mm-hmm. the record is on the wall behind him. And so he grabs it 
And the alien realizes that he's about to come at him. And so he gasses Morgan. Yeah. And when he gasses Morgan, Meryl hits him with the bat and he drops Morgan and Graham is able to pick up the medicine, pick up Morgan and run out the front door. And you just see little Bo in her dress. She put on this little princess <laughs> dress and she's just scuttling behind him, which mm-hmm. is so sad. And Meryl just starts beating the fuck out of this alien. Mm-hmm. Like beating the shit out of it and it falls against some or he it falls against something and water falls on it and like disintegrates its skin Mm -hmm. burns its skin so badly so then meryl's like that's how they got beat because even on the radio it said they the fight turned around in the middle east and it was a very primitive way of beating them so it says it wasn't like crazy intelligent weapons it was something that was very just basic that they couldn't handle and so Meryl figures out it's water, so he starts beating the water glasses to spray water yep. all over him. That bow had sitting all around. Yeah. So all of these things just that are so tragic and horrible, they all happen for these very specific purposes. And Graham is starting to put that together. And Meryl beats the alien by knocking him down and then water pouring on his face. And it, mm-hmm. you see the alien breathing and then his breath stops. And again, that's just a reflection you see in the TV. Mm-hmm. And Graham is outside. He gave Morgan an EpiPen shot. And he's basically begging. He's finally crying. He's he, Yeah, and he said, that's why he had asthma. That's why this. That's why this. Yeah. All these things are coming together. And he's like, holy shit, it's because of God. Like, God did all these it things so miracle. perfectly designed mm-hmm. to keep most of my family alive from this tragedy. If Colleen hadn't gotten hit and killed, if she hadn't said exactly what she said, if Bo hadn't had an aversion to tap water, if Morgan hadn't had asthma, his lungs would have been open and it would have killed him. Like, all of these things. Mm-hmm are perfectly lined up for this family's survival and i think i don't have children but i think as a mother i would gladly take on that role if the rest of my family could survive past me Mm -hmm. through something like that so while it wasn't known at the time i'm sure if colleen had been in on it she would have been like that's fine you know i'll do that for my family basically meryl comes out and both they're all crying and you know it, it they're all crying around his essentially lifeless body and they keep trying to touch him and Graham's like, no, give get him space, give him a minute. And well, then imagine that as a parent. Yeah, yeah. Get the fuck away from him. Yeah. Give I mean, him. You know, s- as a pet parent. Yeah. Get the fuck away. Yeah, exactly. Don't touch him. Yeah. If they're in pain or something's wrong, like yeah, leave him be. Baby. Yeah. And finally you hear Morgan say dad and just the look on Graham's face, mm-hmm. he just starts like crying and he's so relieved. And he said, did someone save me? And Graham said, I think someone did. And at the end, Graham is getting ready and you've seen that he's returned as a reverend and you can hear the kids laughing and it just kind of fades out and all as well. Because of the themes in this movie, like I've already talked about, that's why it's one of my favorite movies. Because you've got this just total crisis of faith, this dismantled family element where you've got a nine-year-old boy basically parenting his other sibling Meryl, who's the uncle, is kind of their role model. And Graham, their actual father, is just so disheartened to the entire world that he basically is just resigned to keeping his kids alive and that's good enough. Yeah. And to see that come around in the end of him figuring out that this is why everything happened kind of is a message of hope for people. Let's just take the alien part out of it. And if you just look at that, it's like things may test you, but just keep your faith and you'll know why later. You know, that everything happens for a reason mantra Mm -hmm. really is the motto or theme of this movie, if you will. Yeah, pretty good theme, especially for just a horror movie, which people put on, you know, its own little tier below everything. Yeah. 
I truly think that this was M. Night Shyamalan's best movie, personally. I, I mean, I know the, the Sixth Sense is also a good mm-hmm. one. He was um, he was also really worried that following the success of the Sixth Sense, that people would just think this was going to be the same thing, which is why he kept this script so lock and key. He was very particular with the movie posters for this mm-hmm. because he didn't want the Sixth Sense to define all of his work and for people to just put him in the same category and it didn't i mean you've got to say that at least that good bad and different he has done original work in every single thing he's done Mm -hmm. i mean if you look at devil and the visit and the happening and the last airbender and all of these things are some of them are you know like m night Shyamalan's famous for oh it's got an m night Shyamalan twist yeah you know i think he did lady in the water yep too he did so he's got a great portfolio under his mm-hmm. belt. Some didn't do as well, but then you've got things like the Sixth Sense and Signs that will just, I think, forever be just famous for being so gripping and good and such Absolutely. good scripts and stories and cinematography and I mean, look at the fact that we music. just had, we just finished Unbreakable, that whole trilogy. Yeah. And it took so many years for that to happen. That's an entirely unique way to look at the superhero genre Mm -hmm. and he didn't even know superhero movies weren't even that famous when he started unbreakable he didn't know that they were going to be as famous as they are with all the marvel ones now i mean iron man didn't start until 2008 and And that was really the first like marvel worth it like he Mm -hmm. held out and that paid off spider-man yeah yeah exactly and his the sixth sense and science no matter how far we get in cgi or you know movies being able to basically be completely computerized like will always be good yeah no matter it's kind of like the classics like Mm -hmm. the blob and frankenstein and dracula and uh psycho rosemary's baby all these older movies despite not having super modern like the 90s of course in the early 2000s but just compare that to 2019 and what we have now Mm -hmm. i mean there are whole ass movies that look like real people people are actors are dying and we're still putting them in movies and it's seamless so i mean they will age well Mm-hmm. They will be good for generations and generations. It's not like just a horror movie, like, I don't know, one that comes out and it's a hype for, I don't know, a few months, a year yeah, or two, the jump and then it dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is definitely a classic. And there are some people that don't even, like, put this in the horror genre. They do as a more, like, sci-fi thriller. But I I can't remember a movie other than, like, The Exorcist and The Exorcism of Emily Rose that scared me more as a kid. Like, mm-hmm. that was horror to me. Yeah. Which is obviously why we're talking about it. Yeah. Aliens. There's a theme that I missed in this movie, and it's really subtle, but I appreciate it as I was reading up on the movie. There's this theme of crickets, and you hear it in the first scene. You hear these crickets chirping, and then right before something happens, it stops. Mm -hmm. And the crickets, that's a warning thing for them. They all get quiet, and every time something happens at night, the crickets just stop. And Mm -hmm. I didn't even notice. And it felt like shit because I was really paying attention because I love this movie. I've seen it so many times. So for me, I think it's like a four and a half out of five. Unfortunately, the animal deaths really affected me with this one. Yeah. So while it's an amazing movie, an amazing horror movie, I'm I'm docking it just for my own personal mm-hmm. and I'm putting it at like a three Yeah. because the animal deaths are so horrific to me in yeah. this one. Right. They're not even gruesome looking. It's just Mm-mm. the psychological factor of it. Yeah. Well, that's if that's something you don't want to see. I mean, yeah. that's a it's pretty prevalent in this movie. Even though it's only two scenes, it's still they it was intentional. Yeah. It was intentionally bad. Yeah. Which, you know, could be argued that it makes a stronger plot for the family, but then it also could be argued that it was 
kind of senseless death you know i don't think it was senseless i definitely think it was warranted and i get it it's just that's my own aversion i just can't do it and even once again this was definitely a psychological movie and even with that it was a psychological death thing with the animals right i just don't want i just don't feel with it yeah well that's fair it just drugged me down so far after watching this movie i was like gotta watch something nice and happy what'd you watch i didn't but i should have (laughs) i just went to bed i was like "Mm." i'm ending on this note i'm just gonna go start a new day now exactly (laughs) a new show is not gonna matter new movie is not gonna matter we're just gonna start a new day all right so like i said in the last episode we are working on a few new things and if you have any stories that involve your personal experience or someone you know's experience with a ouija board or a talking board or whatever you want to call it we would love to hear it so we can talk about it in an upcoming episode. So please email it over to theextrasisters at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Exorcisters Podcast and on Twitter at The Exorcisters. And next week, someone has taken their love of horror movies one step too far. Till then, stay creepy. Stay creepy.